it lit a fire under me. Mm. I mean, I'm not really passionate about that, as you can tell. You know? I, just, yeah, you just yeah, no, seem so no. bored. You're not animated yeah, at all. Pretty much. Hello, everybody. Welcome to season two of Lancelot's Roundtable. Really excited for this season. Got some great guests lined up. We have new equipment. We've made some investments. So we are really excited to see how this goes. Kim is not mic'd. We have two guests today that I'm going to introduce. When I was young, I had a plan. My plan was based on many things I thought I knew. But what does one truly know? My youthful arrogance was easily led into confident knowledge of certainties. In time, many of those certainties were violently broken. Why? I think it was a lack of actual knowing. By that, I mean a lack of truth. Today, I am aware there are many things I don't know. In my past, that led me to being deceived and then feeling I had been made the fool. Today, I'm tired of being led around by empty knowledge. I'm tired of my own hubris and arrogant understanding that stands upon a scaffold ready to shatter and break. I'm ready to look into the abyss and see the hard stuff. I'm ready to put in the work to cut through and find something of value to stand on. In that vein, I'm happy to welcome Jason Spears and Christopher Dean, the founders of the website truthfullyarmed.com to Lancelot's Roundtable. Jason, Christopher, Welcome to the round table. Hey, man. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Thanks, Lance. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a lot to discuss, but before we jump into the website and other things, let's take some time just to get to know both of you. Let's get to know Jason and Christopher. That's going to be scary. <laughs> That's going to be diving into an abyss, right? Right. So without getting into specific names, tell us a little bit about what you do, what your day job is, what your life looks like day-to-day, -day, work, family, all that kind of stuff, hobbies. Well, I don't know what any of that is like because <laughs> I work incessantly. <laughs> I work for a uh, major logistics shipping company mm -hmm. um, as a, uh, what do they call that, commercial transport driver. Okay. And uh, mostly I'm, I'm doing between 8 to 12 hours a day. So between that and then getting home and working on truthfully armed stuff. And going over a lot of the uh, material, whatever we're learning or researching or things like that, there's not a lot of free time. Sure. But when there is, I like to actually play Division. Division. Or Ghost Recon. Ghost Recon, which we have a little bit of that in common. In we fact, do. we have played both of those games. <laughs> I think together. we have met up on the open field once or twice. Yes. Yeah. To, to, to fight the good fight. That's right. You have to. You know, we look at it as, as spiritual training. Yes, exactly right. I feel like the odd man out because I've never, I haven't played either one of those. You well, must be the responsible one. Well, no, you, he has a PlayStation. Yeah. I wouldn't oh. say that. Right. So if he was on <laughs> Xbox, you know, we could get him in where the Lord works. Got it. Okay. All right. Christopher, tell us about yourself. Well, uh, you know, there's the, um, that meme going around social media says explain what you do really mm -hmm. poorly. Yep. So I thought, uh, with a little bit of time thinking about that, I drive around with other people's stuff and set it on the ground. I remember seeing that post. That that's, was great. That's what I do. And set it on the ground. Set it on the ground. <laughs> yep. Gently. Gently. Yes. There you go. Yes, gently. Sorry. Can't forget about that. 
Uh, I'm married. I have a kid. Uh, I like to ride motorcycles and play guitar and play video games if if time permits. If time permits. If time permits, right. So, yeah. how, old, how old is the youngster? He is seven months. Seven months. I can't believe it's been seven months already. Yeah. How long have you been married now? Th- three years. Gee whiz, yeah. So our youngest was a baby when we went to your wedding, I remember. Okay. We were literally holding him during the ceremony. And I just remember there was something about that ceremony that was really, really epic. Kim's, Kim's over here. She's walking around. She's not Mike, but she still has input, and she is shaking her head because she was also there. So, Thank you. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's awesome. It, it wasn't it the really watch. Quick. It that, wasn't the watch. The watch. That was not the epic thing that Lance was referring to. So, since we're talking about that, I don't know if you've heard the story, um, but when you left, I ran off of from the whatever the seat that I was in. Uh-huh. I've only been married once, so I don't know. <laughs> <what> <laughs> But like I, I was sitting next to my wife, and you guys went to leave, and I was like, "Oh, I got to go say goodbye." So I ran out to say goodbye to you guys. Yeah. During this time, Jason takes my seat. Naturally. And then uh, all the other groomsmen started clinging their glasses together. <laughs> <laughs> then what happened? It caught me off guard. Yeah, yeah. it did. Like, <laughs> really wasn't what I was going for. Like I was gonna mess with Kayla, so I had slipped over to the seat. And she was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Hmm." <laughs> I hear clink, clink, clink. And Christopher turns around like, what? <laughs> yeah, I had the worst expression on my face ever. That's hilarious. No, yeah. I didn't know that story. Oh, yeah, it was great. I was very sleep deprived at the time, I think. <laughs> I hear you. So um, I think the next thing to get into, but did we get into your hobbies, Christopher? Yeah, we did. We did. Um, here's my next question. This is, these are my scripted questions, folks. So when you were a kid, where did you think you would be? And what did you think you would be doing? You just told us kind of where your life is at. But when you were younger, where did you think you were going to be in this stage of life? And what would you have been doing? For me, obviously, you know this. I would have been a pilot. That would have been my occupation. I would have been a world adventurer. That didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been that one. Um, I vacillated between so many different occupational goals. So I think for me, um, one of them... One of the longest ones I had was to actually be a pilot, mm-hmm. um, which kind of got um, kind of got replaced with being a Marine, which mm-hmm. then got replaced with being a Navy SEAL, which God delivered me from the moment I realized that, you know, if a B lands on me, I'm probably going to give away the platoon's position because <laughs> I'm shooting the B yeah. <laughs> instantly. You don't care about its quality of life. No, not not at all. I care about getting stung. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think Navy SEALs are a good fit. Yeah, makes sense. Well, for me, um, it's kind of a difficult question because growing up was really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, a lot of my focus, if not all of the focus, was just like how to get past the, the next day or the next week. Sure. So not a lot of thought was even put. I had no ideas um, for the longest time if, uh, what I would do after high school, you know, if I was going to go to college, like it just, um, things were so difficult. I didn't have the energy to, to think that far ahead. That's interesting. Okay. Which I get that because like going through school for me was a huge challenge, especially when I got to the, the last two years, you know, junior and senior and everybody wants you, they expect you to know what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. And I really right. had no clue. Right. And the pressure mounts, you know, you got your standardized testing, all of that stuff that you got to pass that's supposed to open up the door for your future. And right. I don't test well. 
Mm-hmm. So that anxiety felt like my entire future was just closing on me and then adding not knowing. Yep. So the one place I ended up um, kind of being funneled towards was also a, a career path I didn't want, mm-hmm. which was business school. Mm. Yeah. But getting into that still <laughs> proved it, it felt like a, uh, it felt disingenuous. Yeah. You know, kind of killing time and paying for high school. Yeah. Is what it felt like yep. at, at that collegiate level. Um, but internally, I didn't really know. Yeah. There was nothing that really struck home. Yeah. And I think it was interesting. There's, I don't know if anybody else has the, had, had this type of um, experience, but picking your future at that point sounded a whole lot like trying to correct all of those childhood issues and fears that you had. Yeah, in a very short period of time. Right. Yeah. Like, what job do I pick? Yeah. Because, you know, I just want to make sure I can buy the toys that I didn't get to get. Yeah, right. You know, and yeah. my, my taste in toys has gotten quite expensive. Yeah. So you got to get the right toys. Oh, the, the level, that whatever that curve is where you suddenly start liking different things, the cost. Oh, it goes up. Exponentially. Right. Yeah. And then if you add to the things you like, not toys, and these two are not equated, but they're pretty high up on the things you like list, you got females. Yes, accurate. They require a job. You think that it's expensive just to take yourself out for, for food. Right. If you're, if you're going to be taking a female out for food, which I don't know how they do it today, but mm. back yeah. then you were Uber supposed eats. to like pay. Uber well, Eats is how yeah. they do it today. Yeah. Well, Pray, I wouldn't Praise know. report, um, my wife actually took me to breakfast this hey. morning. There so, we go. That's the life. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Christopher has made it. <laughs> Wherever it is, he's made it. <laughs> I have made it. <laughs> I'm still searching. So, Christopher, can you tell us a little bit more about the ch- So, like, that's a really good way that you put that. The going through childhood for you was challenging enough that it was almost like a survival. How do I just get through the next day? Right. Can you tell us, like, is it school-related? Is it home-related? Is it everything-related? Uh, it was home-related. Um, my, my parents divorced. Okay. Um, there was different levels of physical and psychological abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom remarried. Okay. There was different levels of physical and psychological abuse. Got it. Um, and it was, it was really well hidden. Mm. Uh, my dad growing up, I mean, we have a wonderful relationship now, mm-hmm. which still blows me away to, to even say out loud. Mm. But he was definitely the villain of my childhood. Interesting. Because he treated us one way, but then the way he presented himself around everyone else... Mm. Nobody could see it. Yep. So what is it? Lemony Stickett's turn of unfortunate events Mm -hmm. where the kids can see that Jim Carrey is the bad guy, but nobody else gets it. Right. That's terrifying for me to watch because that's what I lived. Interesting. Got it. One one example is uh, my mom, we heated the house with a wood-burning stove. Really? Yeah. And my dad had piles of cut-up wood. Yeah. And so my mom asked if he could have some because she didn't have any money. Uh And he said, well, if the kids want to be warm, they can come live with me. Wow. So it was things like that that we just didn't know. And things were flip-flopping back and forth. We were in court all the time for, you know, we'd be in contempt. Like another thing was uh, my grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. Going up to it, excuse me, uh, he said, yeah, you guys can go, even though it's on a visitation weekend. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. But then he shows up that Saturday morning with a video camera, says that if you guys don't get in the car, we're going to go back to court for being in contempt because this is your visitation weekend. Oh, wow. So it was just chaotic instance after chaotic instance that we were just kind of moving from. Complete instability. Right. So tell me about your siblings. How many do you have? 
Um, I have an older brother and sister. Okay. I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. Got it. Okay. I probably won't be able to remember all of that. Right. But it's no, good it's to fine. know. So it is a larger it is a larger family. Right. There you're coming from. Okay. That's good. All right. I think we're getting to one of my last scripted questions uh, before we can kind of launch into the good meat and potatoes. Uh, talk talk us through how you both met. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, uh, <laughs> uh, we both worked at the same place, mm-hmm. and uh, I had recognized Jason from a distance because he came in and he was telling all of these um, intellectual jokes mm-hmm. that nobody else got. Yeah. So just kind of from the background, I was I was chuckling, you know, I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's smart, I like it. Yeah. And then one day he um, confronts me and tells me that uh, because I'm president of a motorcycle club, that I'm going to hell. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's exactly how I put it. Well, I mean, close enough. That, that, that's how I heard it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, being the not-so-passive president of a motorcycle club, I was like, what are, you, what are you even talking about? You don't know me at all. Yeah. What makes you think that you, you can you know, uh, make this judgment about me? And that's exactly how you delivered what you wanted to communicate? That's, that's how you said it? Um, I mean, we were at work. Okay. So it's probably fairly yeah. close. Yeah, so you had to deliver it a spe- specific way. Right. Okay. But it actually got us into this this really cool conversation. Sure. About sin and is one sin greater than another? And uh, yeah, it kind of started our relationship from, from that point. I think we walked across the entire tarmac talking about that. Yeah. And I think we got to the exit and I stopped and told Christopher, I said, you should have just answered the conversation or the question this way. <laughs> and if you had answered this way, it would have stopped me from going here. And you probably would have had your whole point across. And so he goes, you knew that the whole time? I said, yeah, thanks for playing. I just want to see how smart you are. <laughs> and this started this whole wonderful friendship. So how did you respond to his, what are you even, why are you even talking to me, bro? You don't know me. <laughs> Do you remember how you responded to that? Dude, you're president of a motorcycle club. I watch Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> It is a documentary on you. Yeah. Yeah. So I know exactly what you're about. This is a random question, but were, was Sons of Anarchy still running at the time? Absolutely. Yeah. What season? I don't know. I, had, I don't know because I was, I'm cro- was a cross between watching from the DVDs up. Got it. And then there was still okay. something that was on TV. Yeah. Okay. So it was probably near the latter quarter. Got it. Okay. So yeah. it was well known. Yeah. At that it, point, it was well known, and I had started watching and stopped watching it by the time we had this conversation. Got it. Because I started watching it, I was like, "That's great." You know, this kind of fringe aspect of uh, society gets yeah. represented. Yeah. You know, and it was me. I was like, "This is wonderful." And then after season one, I was like, "We're not being represented very well. This is yeah. absolutely terrible." So I stopped so watching it. Sons of Anarchy isn't a good picture for your motorcycle club that you were a president of. Well, I don't think it's, um, in some respects it is, you know, the way that it's formed and the positions that are in it. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't think it's, it's definitely not indicative of most motorcycle clubs. Okay. But even the, uh, the, the one percenters or the hardcore motorcycle clubs from back in the day, mm-hmm. it's not an accurate representation, representation on how they function either. Got like it. One of the biggest things for me is they backed a truck through a hotel wall mm-hmm. to kidnap somebody. Mm-hmm. And there's no follow-up, like cops aren't asking right. questions, anything right. like that. I was like, even if you're going to do something like that, that, this is not how it works. Like, yeah. it, it was just, it was too much. Yeah, sure. It was a uh, very So how type. does it work? 
How would you connect? No, just kidding. How, you, how did you go about connecting somebody? Well, since you've graded it, what exactly did you do? That's not how I did it. I don't know. What. Were you taking notes? Right. It's hard to kidnap somebody on a motorcycle. People tend to see what's happening on those things. Right. So, oh, okay, so oh, back, to, back to how you guys met. So you have this in, interesting interaction. You're, Christopher's picking up on Jason's smart guy jokes. Not, not, not a different kind of smart type of a joke, a smart guy type of a joke. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you guys have this long conversation. It's going pretty well. Then, then how does it kind of progress, the friendship? Well, we were actually, um, I ended up getting temporarily stationed over where he worked at the warehouse that he was at. Mm-hmm. And while they're um, scanning their inventory, mm-hmm. we started talking. Mm-hmm. And we ended up talking about movies. Sure. And movies are my wheelhouse. Yes, they are. And I'm like, let's go, man. I can have a great all-day conversation about films. This doesn't get much better. Yeah. Oh, how <laughs> I did not see it coming. So we ended up getting to this conversation, this existential conversation on, uh, I believe it was Star Wars. Okay. And I was like, I can't stand Star Wars. And it's his favorite film. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you mean you can't stand it? I was like, it, it just, it makes no sense. Okay. You got the first three and they're like part of the latter part of the trilogy. And then you got these new three and I'm supposed to put them at the front. So now it's shot out of order. It feels like Quentin Tarantino. And then it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I don't get why people are just diehard fans of Star Wars. Sure. Top Gun, perfect sense. Star Wars, <laughs> got to be on crack. Yep. Stu goes and starts breaking down Star Wars, and I'm like, there's no way all of this is in Star Wars. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's going into production quality, everything, and I'm just like, wow. Then I was upset because it was my wheelhouse. Well, and yep. it, it, it wasn't just Star Wars. It was also Devil's Advocate. I remember that. Ah, uh, we did talk about Because on Advocate. your face, I was like, what did I say that was so offensive? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the very, okay, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I love Devil's Advocate as a That's movie. That's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. Al Pacino, yeah. Right. I think it's a very insightful film um, if you were to write a character for Satan. Mm-hmm. Now, some Christians Being find it offensive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I can't imagine a nice version of Satan that's, you know, PC. And that would make you feel good? Right. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be honest. But the premise of it, I really enjoyed. You know, it really got you thinking about some of the ways, the inner workings of uh, politics and of life, mm-hmm. you know, why mm-hmm. he would be a lawyer. The fact that law brings everybody to the trough. Yep. You know, you can get behind the scenes. So we're going through all of this stuff and doing my thing, quoting parts of it and all of that. And then we get to basically what is the kernel of the movie. Yeah. I completely didn't get it. Hmm. <laughs> he gets the whole kernel. So you were the advocate? Of it, you liked Devil's Advocate. No, I liked it. You I liked mean, we, it, we but then you got it. something from it. Yeah, because that you never got because if, if you're not paying close attention, it actually looks like Keanu wins at the end. Mm. You know, because he like sees what happens in a vision, and it, it goes terrible. He realizes that his father's the devil. And sorry, spoilers. Spoiler alert! In case right. you haven't seen this, what twenty year old film, <laughs> right or more. So in the very end, he decides that well, I'm not going to take that path because I don't want to end up there. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after, this other lawyer offers, offers him a job. Um, what was it? Pro bono work or something like that. Yeah. That, that really appealed to his better nature. Mm-hmm. Keanu goes down the stairs, and then all of a sudden, this guy turns into Al Pacino, who's the devil, and he's like, vanity, definitely my favorite sin. Mm. So it's the idea that 
the enemy still won. Like he showed him the vision to get him to not go that way because he's still taking advantage of this uh, vanity within Keanu. And Jason was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw that film back when I was in college only one time. I never saw it again, but okay. that's bringing back like the memory of seeing it. Right. There was a lot of things in that movie. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing in me that I remember about that movie is the jogging scene when the dude yeah. goes and then the homeless people and then... See, but it's the speech that he gave while, while Eddie Barzul, I think is his name. Is that the while jogger? That, yeah. While, he, while he's jogging, it's the speech yes. that yes. Al Pacino gives yes. that I yeah. thought was so insightful. I don't even remember the details about it, but basically the idea in my memory is the speech that he gives is like that he, for that guy brought him up to the pinnacle, and then as soon as he wanted to, just took everything. Yeah, but then he also talks about uh, human greed. Yeah, sure. He was like, you know, you sharpen human greed, or you take human greed and you sharpen it until it's uh, able to split atoms with its desire. Whoa. And I was like, yo, who wrote this? Yeah. And then, you know, while you're doing this, while you're, you're milking the desires of man, and man's going about actually trying to satiate those things, he makes a statement, who's got their eye on the planet? Nobody. Yeah. And so it's buy futures, trade futures, whatever. Everything's for sale. And he can very innocuously slip in. It's also where I learned the term innocuous. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah. You're, I think both of you guys have kind of a wild vocabulary. I'm like, I need you to tell me about that word. <laughs> I don't know that word. <laughs> yeah, so the, the scary thing about the movie is I think it accurate, accurately represents, like Jason said, all of the, the conniving behind the scenes ability for the enemy to take advantage of you. But then the terrifying aspect is in the end, you think that the good guy wins, and it's still the enemy winning by pulling the strings. Yeah. And that's a whole nother level of, yeah. you know, like waking up from a dream to just be in another dream. Yeah. That you escape these um, chains of sin just to find yourself in these other ones. Yeah. Because I mean, he's, he's tactful. He tries to trap you. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. So like, the, the, yeah, you think you're good, but you don't realize how many layers there are. Right. And you have not uh, gotten out of all of the layers. That's a good way to put that. So um, how about let's talk about, because you guys have been throwing some terms out. So let's talk about the worldview that kind of we're skipping around here. So, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's the Christian worldview. So tell us about the Christian worldview. So you, you guys mentioned sin. You've mentioned the devil. Take it away. Oh, okay. Take us down the, well, the rabbit well, hole. So um, I'll go back a little bit and just have a, a touch point to, to when we were having these conversations. Mm -hmm. I, on my own, I had a lot of questions growing up, mm -hmm. um, obviously, because things were so difficult. Um, and I believe that God has, has given me a particular type of mind that, analyzes things and, and desires answers. Mm -hmm. and I didn't get a lot of those. Yeah. So as I became an adult and then kind of started just taking on my own responsibilities, I started searching for answers myself. Mm -hmm. Unguided, just left on my own. Yeah. It was horrible. And I ended up becoming borderline pantheistic. Which it, is? Um, just believing that God is everywhere and everything. Got you know? it. Because you read the Bible, it says that God created you know, heaven and earth, but it doesn't say what energy he created it with. So in my own mind, trying to rationalize these things, mm. I was like, well, he just used his own energy. So, you know, there's no differentiation between God himself and creation. And, you know, so you can find this spiritual connection anywhere. And mm -hmm. it was terrible. Like, Is that like basically that he 
if you if you have that type of a view, w- is it fair to say that you would that God could fit almost any definition? Essentially, yeah. You can okay. kind of put him into any any box or whatever, and Got he it. he's the tree if you need him to be the tree, or he's the cabinet, you know. Or okay, it would it would looking back, it's almost embarrassing. Mm. Um, the the lack of of knowledge that I had, and I really thought that I was right because I, I was searching. I just didn't know where to look. Yeah, and I'm not going to even say that I you know I read all these books and I sure. I talked to all these people. Like I really just on my own was trying to figure out yeah um, what was going on. So some of our early conversations. You know, I told Jason about that, and right off the bat, he's like, no, actually, the Bible specifically says that God is separate from his creation. And I was like, it says that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's where you were when you guys met, is yeah. that that was your view, atheistic? Right. Raised in church and everything, but just okay. had all these questions that nobody could answer. Um, so I'm picturing, yeah, you, so that's, a, I think that's a really interesting point. So you grew up in a church environment yes. with these two different worlds that you were essentially forced to live in the one that was presented to public and the one that you were actually living in and enduring every single day right while you're doing that you're going to church you're hearing what they what they believe and profess and that's not what you're experiencing how were you not like completely how did you never get completely anti that kind of a thing um because I, i was at least able to see that what was what was in the text of the Bible? You know, the sixty six books written by forty people over a span of two thousand years. Um, I was able to recognize and appreciate the text for what it was. Mm. Um, you know that it is a book unlike anything else humans have. Mm. And I, I, by the grace of God, I was able to recognize that the the detrimental behavior that it, that I was suffering and seeing in others did not line up with what was in the Bible. Fascinating. So I didn't reject the Bible itself. I rejected the the church institution and all of the people that that clearly weren't adhering to the words that were in the pages. Right. So then I kind of had to take the Bible and go, well, if it's not that, what is it really? And that's kind of where I got lost and, and didn't know how to interpret and, and those got things. It. So, yeah, so then I'm just picturing you, you're, you're basically looking at the Bible, you're like, this thing's right, but I don't know how to get out of it maybe what I need. Right. And these people that are supposed to be able to explain to me what I need to know and how I need to read this thing and under, what I need to understand, they don't seem to line up with what's going on here. Right, exactly. That's brutal. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. And then I think he, that's probably a more common experience, though. 100%, I would agree. You know, unfortunately, I, I had a different experience um, right. about the time that I met Christopher. I was coming out of my childhood church, but... Uh, for me, there was a huge degree of dissatisfaction mm-hmm. um, and frustration that was going on, particularly because um, around that time, the the typical types of teachings you, you get that are really common don't tend to really deal with real world issues. And right. I put real world in quotes. Yeah. Um, I, heard a, I heard a guy once say that there are three basic uh enemies that a Christian will come up against in mm-hmm. their walk. One will be themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, dealing with their own thoughts and natures and all of that. The second one would be the system of evil and corruption in the world. Uh, and the right. third one would be actual entities, evil mal- malevolent entities that they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And most churches uh, seem to just deal with one of those primarily. 
which is typically helping the Christian deal with their flesh. Mm. So dealing with their the way they think about themselves, you know, learn to forgive, learn not to be so angry, learn to love more, you know, steward your time better, these types of things, relationships, which are important, you know, dealing with these issues, but it leaves a large piece of the pie untouched. Yeah. And secular culture tends to deal with all three of those. You know, it's a full spectrum dominance type of approach. So they're not leaving parts of that pie unaddressed. Right. Which means that once the typical Christian leaves church on a Sunday and goes back into the outside those four walls, you encounter 66% of what you're not being taught to deal with. Right. That's extremely frustrating. And you're being taught other alternate ways of dealing with it. I know, not by church. That's t- what I mean. Yeah, typically church doesn't touch any of that. It's, a lot right. of it's fringe. Yeah. You know, it, we're not talking about what if you go to work and hear a conversation where they're talking about like UFOs and aliens. We're not talking about um, corrupted governmental systems like, you know, the Federal Reserve. We're not talking about uh, common core educational policies that actually violate the created order. We're not talking about um, uh, critical race theory and cultural Marxism. We're not even using that type of terminology. Right. And so once you exit out of church and you go back to school, you're in a different world. Right. And you're not always able to resolve those two spaces. Yep. Which can give you a, a huge sense of cognitive dissonance, and that is the, the tension that arises when you hold two opposing views as equally true. Right. What's the Christian to do with that? Right. So I got frustrated. Yeah. And probably didn't handle it as well. <laughs> nah. <Nuh-uh. laughs> yeah. No, my stuff on a toe or two. Um, but I, I remember at that time, like, God's so cool because. Just before I met Christopher, I'm, I'm up late one night, and I'm supposed to be cleaning mm-hmm. and uh, watching YouTube, which I like to do. It's probably another hobby I got. Yep. Watching YouTube, and near the bottom of, of uh, the screen pops up this suggestion, and it is uh, somebody by the name of Rob Skiba. Okay. And he's talking about giants and all of that stuff. I'm like, all right, I'll bite I watched that. Mm, Fairly interesting. Underneath it was another recommendation by a guy by the name of Chuck Missler. Okay. And it was Noah's Flood. Okay. I'm like, Noah's Flood, I look at the time mark, and it's like an hour. Sure. You cannot possibly talk for an hour about (laughs) Noah's Flood. I'll take the bait. Yeah. I got nothing to do right now. So your perspective was... I'm taking the bait. There's no way this guy can talk interestingly about the flood for 40 days, 40 nights. (laughs) And now we're on to the next thing. That doesn't take an hour. Yeah. Right. You can read it in Genesis. You're like, yeah, all right, I got it covered. There was water and there was more water. (laughs) (laughs) Then somebody took the drain out and there was less water and it got dry. Cool. I think I got it. Yeah. And the dude built a boat. That part's important too. Yeah. It doesn't take that long. Ghostbusters. Da, 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 I guess. Da, da, da. So he, we, we have this thing where uh, he starts talking. Mm-hmm. Missler, Missler starts talking about uh, Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. And this dude goes through, and from 
Genesis chapter 5, I believe it is. Um, no, nah, it's got to be after that. I think it was session 5, but it, it's after Genesis chapter 5. I think it's like Genesis chapter 7, I want to say, 6 or 7. He goes through, and he starts talking about all of this, and I don't move a muscle mm -hmm. for an entire hour. I'm at rapt attention. Really? You stopped cleaning and everything? Everything. Okay. This dude gets done, and I'm like, so this is session like six or seven, which means <laughs> you got to have like five or six more before really? this. All right, let me go to, to session one. Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. Hooked. So you kept going? Hooked. Okay. If you could say that a Christian can be addicted to something good, addicted. Okay. So I start listening day after day after day. I can't get enough. Because this dude actually connects two things. He basically resolved the issue I had. He treats you like you're intelligent. Mm -hmm. And then he shows you that the God you serve is more intelligent. Mm -hmm. And that there are intellectually satisfying reasons to put faith within Jesus Christ. Okay. Not that you're, not just because it's the way I was raised. Not just because, uh, you know, if you don't, then you're going to be in eternal trouble. Mm -hmm. It's actually, this is the smartest answer you could have. Any other answer, when you get down to it, violates logic. Mm -hmm. It violates intelligence. And you're an intelligent being, aren't you, sir? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm intelligent. <laughs> Can't clean a room and listen to you, but I think I'm intelligent. <laughs> he takes you through all of this. Then he starts peeling back things where when you were in school, not paying attention, stuff that you're like, that's stupid. I'm more interested in girls. He right. comes back and he brings in. I'm like, I should have paid attention to that. The man is talking <laughs> about like, uh, this is an example of something where you're like this. There's no way you can connect these two worlds. Yeah. He's talking at one point about um, sacred geometry and mm -hmm. like the uh, divine ratio. Okay. And he's like, so you ever heard of Fibonacci sequence? I was like, I, I think my doctor said I need some of that in my diet. Right. <laughs> right. Definitely. I go back and it's like the, the perfect, I don't know if you've ever seen this picture where you have a square and a square within a square and a square within it all the way around and then they connect the edges of that so it forms like a perfect spiral. Mm -hmm. You see this perfect spiral in various places of creation, like in a seashell okay. or in certain flowers. Okay. And it's like a mark of divinity. Hmm. You can just get this accidentally. What's this, what's this concept called? I think it's called like Fibonacci sequence. Got it. Okay. Or the golden ratio, the divine ratio. Yeah. And it's used even in aesthetics, like in hanging pictures and stuff. Really? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a rectangle where you put in a square in okay. the rectangle where the space that you have left over is an exact um, scaled um, rectangle of what you had to start with. Got it. Okay. So you can, you can do that and you can move it up or move it down and you see it all over the place. Like trees even use it to, it allows them to put um, a majority of trees, their leaves out to where they can absorb the most amount of sunlight without blocking one another. So what? they're not just wasting space. Yeah. So seashells, trees, paintings, pictures. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. This dude, that, that, that's it's only one part. See, I was supposed to be cleaning, so I would have had all those details, right? <laughs> I was distracted by the pledge. Sure. But he, he does stuff like that. And he, he goes through, I think, like the Chuck very, Missler. Chuck Missler. Okay. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know the name. Okay. He, he goes, Chuck goes through, and I think like uh, maybe the very first session is just dealing with creation. Of the flood talk that he gave? Yeah, actually, he's going through and he's doing Genesis chapter by chapter. 
So, so you just stumbled upon the flood part? I of did. This? Okay. Given the YouTube al- YouTube algorithm, but people could go find this talk on YouTube. Oh, they could okay. easily. You just search uh, Chuck Missler Genesis. Okay. Commentary. Okay. Um, and Genesis being the first book book of the Bible, how would you summarize what Genesis is for folks? Genesis is actually uh, it's the beginnings of all things uh, through Scripture. The origin of the origins? Yeah, I think that's a really good way of of explaining it because everything has its roots in Genesis. Okay. Um, Even the fact that Genesis anticipates every major objection to the gospel and to a Christian worldview in in its pages. Mm -hmm. Just like the idea, like we were talking earlier, about pantheism and Mm -hmm. God being in all. Where Genesis says that he created all things, so obviously tells you that he's outside. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it says that God did something, so he can't be a polytheistic type of situation. What's that mean? Polytheistic? I don't know. It's a great, great word that somebody came up with. <laughs> Poly- <laughs> no, polytheistic means you have multiple gods. Poly being multiple and theism or theistic being God. gods. So okay. pantheism means, or pan meaning many, mm-hmm. and theism, God. Well, no, pan not being many. Pan means all in. Something like that. Like yeah, all-encompassing? Yeah, I think it's like all-in-one, something like that. Right. There's no distinction. Right, right it, it all just blends together. Okay. So, let me lose my train of thought. Polytheism. Oh, yeah, so Genesis anticipates all those types of common rejections. Okay. Um, there was a guy, who's the guy that you listened to um, in the debates? Which one? Hoven, I think. Oh, Kent Hoven? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a guy on YouTube, um, famous Christian uh, apologist, um, who gives, uh, he, doesn't, he goes and does debates, and he's got a clip of a very famous one in which he's actually taking apart Genesis 1-1 okay. and dealing with the fact that embedded in Genesis 1-1 is space-time matter. Okay. So in the beginning, space, God made the heavens which would be matter. Um, <laughs> in the beginning, it's We still time. heard it. No, in the beginning, it's time. Thank you. God made the heavens, which would be uh, space, mm-hmm. and the earth, which would be matter. Mm-hmm. So you get space, time, matter, continuum right there in the very first chapter. Hmm. Very first verse. I was going to say. First chapter. Yeah. First it's pretty verse, dope. Said. Yeah. yeah. So what was the name of this guy? Uh, this was Kent Hoven. Kent Hoven. Yeah. Hoven. Okay. There's a, there's a D, a real Hovind. quiet D at the end of his last Got name. Got it. Okay. YouTube it, folks. Sorry. Continue. Oh, no. Pretty good. But it just gives you an example of, of what Genesis contains. It also contains what they call the seed plot of the Bible. So it explains why we have found ourselves in the situation that we're in. There is a, um, there's a guy, his name is uh, Dr. Mike Heiser. Mm-hmm. You familiar with him? I know him. Yeah, Mike's cool dude. <laughs> Mike has this wonderful question that he, he posits, which is that, if you were to ask just uh, your everyday Christian right now, why is there evil in the world? Most people would answer fairly differently from how a Israelite at the time where Genesis was written would actually answer. Most people would say, well, <clears throat> uh, due to the fall, Adam and Eve disobeying God in original sin, that's why we have the problems that we have. Whereas a Israelite from first century Israelite would actually say there are other reasons why 
one being the sin of the fallen angels, what they did coming down and disrupting God's created order, as well as the sin of man. Mm. Those two combining to give you the situation that we find ourselves in now. And the fact that Jesus came and stepped into that mess in order to fix all of it. Yep. Like that was pretty dope. Yep. But you get that in Genesis. In Genesis. Yeah. yeah so you get the fact that, that we have the fall of humanity because we wouldn't listen to our creator. Mm-hmm. Um, that basically set up. It's pretty dope. Most people look at Christianity, I found, they look at it as though it's a bunch of rules, mm-hmm. a bunch of right. do's and don'ts, right. which is an oversimplification. Sure. You know, just like driving is not a bunch of do's and don'ts, but if you want to keep the car on the road, there are some basic things you got to do. Yeah. Kind of like, don't hit the guardrail. Yeah. You can't go into every turn with your the hammer down. You got to slow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, some basic guidelines. It's not just rules and then you can't drive. Yeah. You know, you do get some freedom. But most people focus on, in, in Genesis, the fact that God said, um, I'm paraphrasing here, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. And it seems like, why would you do that? It's like a cosmic gag. Back yeah. to devil's advocate. Yeah. Look, but don't touch, touch. Don't taste, taste. Don't swallow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like that whole setup. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't see that coming back around, did you? No, I didn't. That was nice. <laughs> that was good. How <laughs> he did that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you get that. You, you, most people tend to have that look that God's setting up this like cosmic issue for man to fall. Don't eat the fruit of this tree. Why would you put it there? But they tend to overlook the fact that you could eat from every other tree. Sure. So it's like a million, just for sake of conversation, it's like a million to one. Mm -hmm. Ah, I gave you a million one yeses, one no. Right. The way everybody looks at it now, he gave you a million no's. Right. It's the one yes, and that's the one you want. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that tree. And that's not the way it's set up. Yeah. So that type of, um, I don't know what I want to say. Genesis helps to explain why we're in the state that we're in. Mm-hmm, right. Um, Genesis 6 is another key point. Once you get through 3, which is man falling, mm-hmm. you get to the next big issue, which is the Genesis 6 war. Okay. And that is where it's recorded. And this is a very controversial issue. Okay. Uh, there are several scholars, very good, competent scholars that agree, and there are other very good, competent scholars that disagree with this, this perspective. But okay. this is one um, that I personally hold to, makes the most sense to me. And that is the fact that there was a group of uh, renegade celestial beings that decided to uh, exert themselves into our reality. Celestial beings being what a lay per not a lay person, but like your average person might think of as angels. Sure. Okay. Or the the term watchers. That's watchers. actually in the in the Bible too. Okay. <clears throat> so they come down and they exert themselves into our reality, mm-hmm. and they end up teaching man all sorts of wickedness. Okay. Typically, and this is recorded in some some ancient texts. Uh, many of the things that we know as common today apparently came from these beings teaching secrets that man wasn't supposed to know. Things okay. like uh, cosmetology. Okay. Um, not cosmetology, cosmology. 
um, things like um, war, martial arts, um, things like metallurgy or uh, alchemy, which you know people say is a, a false science, may may not, but maybe may not be, uh, but it's still part of what they taught. Some people say that they they took seven sacred sciences and sciences and corrupted them. Interesting. And taught man the corruption of these things, how to make weapons of war, uh, particularly how to use different types of metals in order to construct musical uh, instruments. A lot of things that that populate our collective culture today apparently came from these beings. Okay. And so it brought forth a tremendous amount of evil. Okay. At the same time, there was a pact that was made between a subset of these watchers, there was about 200 of them, that actually decided that what they would do was to copulate with humanity. Okay. Now, I don't have to explain copulate, right? Nope. Okay, good. (laughs) 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 But the idea was that they, uh, they merged with humanity. Okay. Merging an angelic information with human information, making a, chim- a chimera or a hybrid. Okay. On top of that. Like a physical hybrid? Is, is that what you're describing? Physical one. So, like, here in the West, we, we hear a lot of these things, and we tend to take them as though they're mythological. And right. Then we just kind of dismiss them as though they're fanciful. Right. But outside of Western culture, we look at a, the other cultures look at this as though it is real. So if you took, like, Greek mythology... We put the myth on there, and we're like, uh, you crazy Greeks, you came up with all this weird stuff, and we'll use it for Disney, but we don't believe it's real. Yeah. You go talk to the Greeks, and they're treating us like their Bible. Mm. There is no, this is fanciful. Yeah, yeah. my cousin George was a satyr. You know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how they look at it, as though it's that real. Yeah. So <clears throat> we probably would do better in the West to take it a little more seriously. Sure. Yeah. But then we'd also do better to take scripture more seriously. Sure. I mean, I love what David Brees says. The, one of the biggest problems with the Western mind is that on a, on, on a number of issues, we don't ask what has God said about it. Mm. We will talk, debate, and conclude on any number of things without first stopping and saying, what does the Bible say about this particular subject? Sure. And I think if we did, we probably would be out of a lot of the mess that we're in. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of that mess was created by beings that were hostile to God and his created order, which is what you get in Genesis 6. Got it. So Genesis is including the fundamental reason why we have evil. Mm -hmm. It includes what Christians would call a proto-gospel, which is the idea that God will, through a series of divine mechanisms, bring about a resolution and a correction to this evil. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of changes. It's like the first 10, well, first nine chapters. And then I think around chapter 10, you get the table of nations, which explains how you go from the flood that wipes out all of those created beings, all of the hybrids, all of the evil institution structures, all of the evil culture. You know, some of these things we get like Atlantis and, and what do they call that? Pre-Lapsarian era. Isn't that what it's called? Before the flood? That would be antediluvian. Prelapsarian is before the fall. Ah, okay. Thank you. So antediluvian era. Okay. This is my dictionary. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, all of that stuff that we hold as um, being in the distant past, the myth, this is where kind of the place where you could fit that. Then you move to Table of Nations, 
which lists how you go from the ark and Noah and his three sons and their wives and Noah's wives and repopulate the entire planet. Yeah. And then break down into the nations that we know today yeah. based on their ancient names so that you can follow them because the names actually change across time, across history. So the Bible does a really smart way of including their actual ancient name so that they can be traced backwards from where we are now. And who are we? Are we talking about post-flood people right now? Yeah. Okay. So this is how you can track out, like, how did you get the Greeks? How did you get the Phoenicians? How did you get, uh, you know, the Moabites? How did you get the Russians, which would be like the Scythians before that? How did you get some of these cultures? How did you get the Egyptians? We can trace all of that through the Table of Nations, which is pretty dope. Yep. Then you move into basically the story of a nation, mm -hmm. how God brings that nation about, and that pretty much encompasses Genesis. Mm -hmm. But what I like about it, since you've raised this, yeah. and I don't normally talk uh, in this way about it, I look at Genesis as a pretty interesting story because I think it, it incorporates the basic message um, of God to humanity, which is this. I made you made everything really dope. Mm -hmm. You decided not to listen to me. Mm -hmm. There's consequences. Mm -hmm. Things got real messed up. I'm not going to leave you on your own, although I could. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk you through some things. We're going to get this fixed. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, inner stage left, we got the Prince of Darkness who comes in. Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I hear all that that he said, but listen, I got something better for you. It's called eternal damnation. You're going to love it. It's just, it's not going to feel that bad at first, but I'm telling you, it gets hot. No yeah. pun intended. Right. So you do, you do this thing where um, mankind begins to do their own thing. And each time, God seems to show an incredible level of patience. Mm -hmm. All right, because you disobeyed me in the perfect place. It created mm -hmm. problems. Mm -hmm. I still got you. And now we move forward. You're still not listening to me. Mm -hmm. So eventually, when, you know, when we got the watchers who come down and they mess everything up, God fixes all of that, does the flood, and says, okay, I'm going to start over again. Don't really have to, but I'm going to choose to start over again. We're going to do this with Noah. Mm -hmm. Work out with Noah. Things start expanding again. You get to Tower of Babel. And when you say things start expanding again, from, from Noah to the Tower of Babel was two generations. Mm. So we... We don't learn. You know, we, we throw around the idea now that, you know, the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Yes. Yeah, it's a biblical idea, too. Because okay. you have Noah and his family being the only people that survived this judgment over the entire planet. And his grandchildren decided to raise a tower to get to heaven and usurp God's authority. Yeah. Doesn't so, take long. There's a lot of stuff to unpack with what you just <clears throat> said. You have one more point? Did well, yeah, I wanted to just conclude on, oh, okay. on, yep. on that, that story. Yep. So you get to Tower of Babel, and you have basically mankind deciding that they are going to kill God, mm -hmm. which is a huge change. Now, you'll find this in some other texts. You won't find the particular details of this uh, in Genesis, but it, you have... Other texts, meaning other texts of the Bible? No, meaning texts outside of the Bible. Got it. But what you have basically was humanity was, was arranged into the three basic courses, and they had specific missions. So we need to get into heaven first, bring the idols, and then kill God. Mm. So you got three, three things that you need to do. Here's when God shows up like, hey, what you doing? Mm -hmm. 
I was finna kill you, man. Will you please stay still? Stop moving from heaven to earth and earth to heaven. Stay where you at. So he breaks up all of language. Mm-hmm. Then you get nations out mm-hmm. of that. Right. Because everybody's arranged by tribes, tongues, all of that, that type of stuff, and then grows into nation groups. Over those nation groups, they still decided that they didn't want to listen. Mm-hmm. And so God said, okay, since you don't want to listen to me, I'm going to put specific angels over you that are designed, that are supposed to be guiding you since you don't want to deal with me directly. But then those angels decide to rebel. Okay. So now God says, I'm, I'm divorcing you. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I've given you enough chances. I'm done. Who's he in your, is he speaking to the angels here or the, the ones that he, no, they over? get judged later on. You picked that up in Psalms, but particularly okay. this is, this is humanity. Oh, got it. Okay. I'm, I'm done. Because yeah. you guys have literally decided that you will not listen to me despite what I do. Mm-hmm. Which makes humanity by default lost. Mm-hmm. You don't have any other option. You have no hope. Mm-hmm. This is, again, in Genesis, this is what makes the story so dope. He comes back and he tries again. And he does this with Abraham. And he starts mm-hmm. a whole new process mm-hmm. of getting people back. And we were the ones that not only disobeyed in the garden, we disobeyed afterwards. We decided we were going to try to kill him. And then we didn't want to listen to people that he put over us in the form of angels. Mm-hmm. And he still decides to take us back. Mm-hmm. This is what sets the stage for through, Christ. Through Abraham? Abraham? Is that, right. Okay. This is what sets the stage for a New Testament when Jesus shows up. And that's all in Genesis? Except for the New Testament part. Except all the, the New stuff, Testament yeah, part. before that. It's yeah. pretty much what Genesis sets up. Yeah. Walking you out. So Genesis is pretty dope. It really is the story, the beginning of beginnings. Yeah. I know it was a long way to describe all of that, but... Totally, totally good. You know, you can't get this on elevator pitch. Right. And people are like, so <laughs> why do you believe in God? Oh, I, don't, I had nothing else about to do. It was a Tuesday. Yeah. You know... So you can see how when we were working together in a warehouse <laughs> and I had lived my whole life with people not being able to answer my questions, that this was a, a tremendous relief for me. Yeah. So you guys ended up having a lot of these types of conversations. So I kind of want to hear your take now on Genesis, I guess. Oh, geez. Or anything that you want to, I mean, just anything you want to address with what he said, anything you have to add. Um, uh, the one thing I'd like to add, because he did a good job at covering like the, the, the detriment and, and the things that um, Genesis anticipates as far as um, the negative aspects of humanity. Um, but even the idea of salvation by faith um, shows up in Genesis. Mm. You know, we think that that doesn't, we don't, that that idea was made up for the New Testament or whatever. But when, um, when God came to Abraham and, you know, he's like, leave your family, go over here, and I'll tell you where you're going when you get closer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it says because he believed God, mm-hmm. that God credited it to him as righteousness. Yeah. So right there we have salvation by faith. Mm-hmm. So it, it is really cool that Genesis anticipates all of these um, hostile ideas. You know, the idea that, oh, well, you guys wait, waited and made this up later. Well, no, actually, if you, if you track it all the way back here. Yeah. Lance, if I point. could. Yeah. We, I know we got off on the thing where I was explaining a lot of this, but originally this started with you asking me uh, a question. Because I went back and I was talking about Missler and Genesis and... Mm-hmm. Um, for when I met Christopher, what was so interesting about all of that was the fact that at the time that I'm getting this information at my church that I was at, they weren't on any of this and they weren't really happy per se. There wasn't like that type of encouragement. Like, Hey, you're really on to something. Mm. Study that out. 
Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we need more people that can get a grasp on that. Yeah. It was more so like, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. And why are you, why are you out on that? Yeah. So yeah. let me clarify that. So I think I make sure where we're at and like our, our, our history of Truthfully Armed and Jason and Christopher. So at this time where you're learning these things, mm-hmm. Missler and getting into Genesis and the, the flood and all this, that's when you guys are starting to have your conversations and when you have a lot of your questions on... on For on, me, it's just before that. Just before that. Right. Got it. Which what, what makes it so interesting for me, from my perspective, is the very thing that at the church I was attending wasn't really applauded and encouraged per se is the very thing that attracts someone else. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yes. And it's really cool to see how God's working behind the scenes because when he and I talked, Christopher and I talked, I was kind of blown away that he appreciated this type of stuff. Sure. You know, that we could have like real conversations about it because everybody in my world was kind of like, uh, yeah, listen, if it doesn't help me love Jesus more, I don't really need to know it. Yeah. I'm like, no, there's so much more you need to know. Right. So I kind of became like that fringe Christian. The yeah. one that's out there, almost maybe a <laughs> rebel, but not, but not here in the pack, kind of dealing with what we're talking about on a Sunday, Sunday basis. So in your bio on Truthfully Armed, the getting to know you, you kind of talk about uh, disillusionment. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but you kind of talked about disillusionment with the church and being a, I don't know, rejected intellectual. So mm-hmm. this is kind of what you're describing is like more in depth of what was actually going on behind the scenes with that. You're learning these things. You're going to, you, you have your church that you're going to, you want to have conversations about what you're learning about to kind of unpack it. And Mm -hmm. instead of people being fascinated and wanting to know more and thinking, yeah, you're onto something, keep going, keep, keep digging in there. You got the opposite, which is, I don't, I don't want to hear any of that. And, uh, but then when you started talking to Chris later on, he was really interested and it was actually perfectly fit for him because it started answering a lot of his questions. Right. Okay. And because we were able to have the conversations about movies and stuff before, you know, he was able to show, you know, not how smart he was, but that he had uh, a capacity to think. Right. So when he started talking about the Bible, like he really believed it and it really means what it says. I was like, oh, so you can actually be a Bible believing Christian and not be a moron. Yeah. Like, which was new to you. It was very new to me. But see, that's huge for me because, like, I hated being a Christian growing up. Mm. I really didn't like it. Like, I felt like I was stuck between two really bad places. You got to talk about God because that's what, he, that's what you're told you got to do. Right. Right? But then you do it, and people make you look like a moron. Yes. And so now you're, nobody likes being made to look like a moron. Then they kind of fold us into that's well, that's just part of the suffering process, brother. You gotta you gotta just suffer through that, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'm like, what? No, I don't wanna talk about Christ because when <laughs> I do, everybody laughs at me. And they ask questions I really don't have answers for. Right. I really don't know why. I I just believe just because. So going well, I relate. You're right, going down this course and God beginning to train me was really, really cool. Seeing how it affected someone else was even, I don't know if this is a proper term, more dope. <laughs> more doper, I think. More right. doper. <laughs> it was more doper. That's yeah, great. But, but it was so rewarding. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I went to Vineyard and uh, I went through one of their classes and I got done. I didn't ask any questions or anything because I had learned by that point that's pretty much a no no. Mm. You don't want to be that guy who raises his hand and everybody's like, oh, what do you want? Yeah. 
So I didn't say anything. It's time to go get our coffee, dude. Right. I think it was on baptism or something. And, and I asked I, the guy a question. And uh, he goes, why didn't you ask that in the class? Yeah. He's like, that was a great question. Yeah. And I'm like, well, really internally I'm thinking because nobody likes you asking questions. Yeah. Because in church, church is more about quote unquote faith than it is about intellect. Mm-hmm. And, and within those four walls, oftentimes you're viewed as an intellectual, which means you're anti-faither, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily how it's set up. There is actually a correlation between intelligence and faith mm-hmm. um, to the degree that I think most people would be surprised to realize that Christianity above all is a knowledge base system. Yep. Yep. Things are about what we know. It's about renewing the mind. Like there really is a lot of emphasis on the mind. Develop your mind. Protect your mind. Be careful what you allow into it. Be very careful of the thought patterns, the neurological pathways. All of these things are important to how you think. Mm-hmm. How you think will influence, I hate to use it this way, it'll influence the seat of your perception, mm. which we'll call the heart. And out of that seat of perception of all you feel, all you think, and all you do will come all the issues of life that you will deal with. Mm-hmm. So by all means, get an understanding if you don't get anything else. Yeah. You can't have language like that in your document, your core document of faith, and be an intellectual system of belief. Yeah. Unfortunately, the church became that. Mm-hmm. I think by poor uh, responses to outside attacks, it allowed itself to retreat into more of a faith-based type of setup as opposed to an intelligence one. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, you know, when people talk about some of these sticky topics like heaven, hell, things like that, mm-hmm. I really think if you sat down and you're in front of God, it's not going to be just this go to hell. It's going to be explained to me why you didn't think that this was a good thing to actually believe. Yeah. No, no, give me the facts. Hopefully that person doesn't answer with what I feel. Because I don't think that a divine being like God is going to let you off with how you feel when he's asking you about facts. Yeah. Because he wants to know what you think. Yeah. Thinking is most important in Christianity. Because there's an expectation that you use your mind to come to reasonable logical conclusions Mm -hmm. that also means then that God must be logical and reasonable. Mm -hmm. That's not taught in, you know, in the world today, right? We're not taught that God is an extremely rational being, right? I'm watching, again, I'm I'm listening to Chuck. Chuck's talking about some of these animals. And I think he talks about this bird that um, one of the birds that dives into the water to get it, get the fish. Yeah. He talks about the physiology behind that bird, yeah. like how God designed it. Yeah. The fact that when that bird impacts the water and given the tensile strength of water and the speed in which he's going, there's a G-force that's exerted on his brain. Yeah. And God, inside the, the skull, he actually put cushioning in there mm-hmm. that can take the force right. without affecting the brain at all. Those aren't things you get by mere evolutionary development. Mm. That's the... That shows design. That mm-hmm. shows intent. That mm-hmm. that actual animal is specifically designed for the environment in which it, it lives to function properly. Right. You know, you take penguins. The fact that penguins have their uh, their arteries on the, or not their arteries, their veins, and their arteries are wrapped around, I believe, the bone mm. so that the blood stays warm so, as opposed yeah. to how it's set up in our bodies. Because of the cold. Right. 
just stuff like that where you're like, yo, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. So you mean we really serve an intelligent God? Yeah. Yep. Not one that just wants you to believe to believe, but there are actual reasons. Yeah. That was a game changer for me. Yeah. So yeah, it was a it, it lit a fire under me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not really passionate about that, as you can tell. You know, I, just, yeah, you just yeah, no, seem so no. bored. You're not animated yeah, at all. Pretty much. <laughs> but so I was coming from this place of wanting answers, and he seemed to have a lot of them. So yeah. I chased after that in a way that that made him uncomfortable. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, get away from me. Like, too many questions. Like, what, what was that? No. Well, so, so I was, I was living in sin. I was living with a, a woman that I wasn't married to. Um, mm-hmm. She had a daughter. You know, I was, I was really lost. Like, it, it felt like I was um, feeling around in the dark, literally. Yeah. You know, just trying to, to pursue, you know, you would ask what I wanted to be. You know, yeah. I, as I got older, I had to kind of formulate the idea. What does it be? What is, what does it mean to be a man? You know, what does that look like? Wow. So that's kind of what I was trying to develop. As wow. I was becoming a man, um, and I wasn't happy about it, mm. and I knew that there was a lot missing. So when Jason started answering questions, I was like, "Oh, great!" So one day, I was like, "You know what? I need more of this. It's got to be, you know, wh- whatever church he's plugged into, he's yeah. got to be getting." So I call him one day, and it might have been the first time I ever called him, <clears throat> and I was like, "So, where do you go to church?" Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, not that question. Because I had just, like, left my, my childhood church at that point. Sat down, talked to the pastor, basically said, hey, I don't think I'm really growing anymore like I should. I we had reconnected at this point, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think it's time. I kind of get in the timelines. Right. I think it's time that, that, that I, I move on. Yeah. And so he, he released me, and I'm going to Vineyard, and I'm just <laughs> trying. I'm basically making this turn. And the yeah. turn is, God, I need to know you personally for me. Yeah. I'm not sure. For I ain't sure how you feel about me. I'm halfway not sure if you know me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I know you know my parents. You seem to answer (laughs) prayers for them and things like that. I'm going to need you on a one-on-one basis with me, bro. So we're going to do this one-on-one thing. Yeah. And so I went to Vineyard, and I'm just trying to walk in step by step. Yeah. They want to do baptism. I'm not sure how I feel about baptism. Yeah. Good friend of mine, she's like, You absolutely have to get baptized. I'm like, I take a shower every day. I don't see why I got to go get dunked. You know, (laughs) I'm not an Oreo. Why is this important? And they start going through the classes and they start explaining it. And I'm like, Okay, I think I'll get dunked. Just small steps. Yeah, small steps. Shortly after that, this dude's like, So where are you going? Yeah. No, no, no. I don't want to be a mentor, a mentee, yeah. nothing. I don't listen. Me and Jesus are just getting on one on one basis here. Yeah. I don't need an attachment. Yeah. It was like too late. Yeah. And it gets way worse than that because he, he finally tells me where he's going to church. And they decided that that was a Sunday that they were going to encourage people to start small groups. Oh, and they were like, the, uh, uh, Pastor Rich Nathan was like, all you need is a home and some snacks. If you're willing to do that, you can start a home group. And okay. goes straight up. I was like, all right, I'll do it. He looks over at me like he just wants to slit my throat. <laughs> like, so like at that point, you? you were like, where are you going? And then he tells you, and you're like, I'm coming. Right. And then that's when that basically call goes <laughs> out. Small group time. You don't want to have anything to do with small group because you're just, let me take some baby steps over here. I got to get, I got to get my calibrations. I, I got to figure waddling. out where I am. I'm just like on the floor waddling. I ain't the step yeah. part yet. Yeah. Yeah. We ain't got the baby steps. Just, yeah. you know, put me in the playpen and let me bounce for a minute. Yeah. Just me and Jesus. And then all of a sudden this dude's hand shot up like he had Tourette's on the body. <laughs> and I'm looking at the hand in sheer shock. Like, what is it doing up? What are you stretching? Yeah. Oh, no, you're right there. Yeah. Good. We'll get you a little home group packet. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
Because wow. my default is 100%. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to do it... Okay, I'm going to go. Yeah, why not? Here we go. Yeah, we'll figure all that other stuff about how we're going to stay alive while we're doing it. We'll, we'll work that out later. Let's just go. Let's okay. do it. That's great. All right. Well, I want to pause here for a second because I want to go back and I want to do a quick definitions thing. Okay. okay. So I'm going to fire out some of the terms that you guys have said, and I would like you to give us a brief definition, however you would define it. Brief. No pressure. Brief. No pressure. Sin. Separation from God. Sin, separation from God. I would call that death. Sin, sin would be missing the mark. Well, I mean, in the, in the actual sense of the word, yes, but sin, full grown, produces we'll death. produce death, which right. is separation. Okay. But sin would be missing the mark, just falling short, which is actually really cool. I'm calling Chris up one day, and I'm like, Chris, me and, me and Guy were having a conversation, and he hit me up with holiness. And I decided I don't like holiness. Mm. He's like, oh, this is going to be a wonderful topic. Yeah. What did he say to you? And I said, well, he asked me. Like, holiness is like a sticky type of conversation whenever you hear it because it's this, it's this moving target that you can never hit. And so if God's holy and I'm not, we're like completely different. I'm never going to be like him and I'm never going to be good enough. If you've got that part of your, your, your personality that you deal with the whole good enough thing. Yep. So God's like, do you understand what holiness really is about? And I was like, mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> what I, how I usually respond. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever answer I, I'm going to give is going to be wrong. But yeah. I'm like, sure, yeah, it's that thing where uh, you just got to be perfect. And he was like, nah, you don't really get it. So let me take you over to Satan. I was like, all right, cool, God, what are we going to talk about with him? I said, Satan does this little thing where... He just gets you off by a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Not a lot. No, no, no. That's too much sin. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, here I am, the creator of all beings. This is God talking. Here I am, the creator of all things. I set everything up perfectly. I get everything in perfect working order. I spend a lot of time in, in the noodle thinking this stuff through. I get everything running good. It irks irks me to the nth degree if it's off by a little bit because mm-hmm. that's not how I designed it. Mm-hmm. So I go, give him changing colors over there. I go, uh, <laughs> all right. So he goes, I can't tolerate the least bit of corruption. Yeah. I said, not the least bit? Not the least bit because it's just not how I made it to function. Mm-hmm. You understand how much I care about what I made? You make Legos, dude. I was like, I do. Do you care if one block's out? I actually do. The set's not complete. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many blocks it is, if it's 1,000 pieces, 2,000, or two pieces. If it's supposed to have two pieces, I need two pieces. Well, how do you feel if you have one and a half pieces? Mm. It's not right. Mm-hmm. He goes, so I can't tolerate that. That inability to tolerate corruption is called holiness. Mm. So to answer the question of what sin is, sin is that little bit that you're off. Mm. Good way to put it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But I know you just wanted like a quick definition. I'm sorry. I'm no, that's okay. That. That's okay. Uh, that's what I'm looking for, but I'm totally fine if, if you guys want to provide more color. Um, okay. Church. Because you said you guys have talked about growing up in a church. You've talked about church. You've, you've talked about it in, a, I think, a variety of ways that you could use the word church. Yeah. I, th- <clears throat> I think the problem that we run into here is there's what the church is today and what the church should be. Mm. Um, 
So the Bible actually explains the church in a couple different dimensions. Um, there's the what's considered the mystical church, which is just all Christ believers all over the world mm-hmm. creates the, the church. Mm-hmm. But then there's the, the institution, the social institution, where you're supposed to have an overseer and elders and deacons and, you know, collect the tithes and put them in God's storehouse for all good works. And, and that is the church on a social level. Mm-hmm. But then... Um, on an individual level, we are the bride of Christ, and we each carry that burden within ourselves, mm. or not that burden, but that responsibility and that hope. Yeah, it's good uh, within it. ourselves. So yep. that is also a definition of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's this other thing that is happening in society that you feel a certain way. So you go to a building on Sunday morning and you sing some songs and you listen to a guy that you may or may not believe in, and then you leave and don't really do anything else with it. And, and that's what the world is calling the church right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's important to delineate the, the fallen state of what the church has become and really what the Bible wants the church to be. Mm-hmm. Church is more of who we are, not a place that we go to. Mm-hmm. That's great. Anything to add, Jason? That was perfect. Yeah, that was, oh, that wow. was great. Devil. My nemesis. Um, I believe I believe the actual definition is accuser. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The one who stands in the heavenly court constantly pointing out that little way that we got off mm-hmm. and attacking our character. But uh, I we think, we being humans. Yeah. Okay. And specifically Christians, but humans in general. Okay. But I think a better working definition would be the eternal enemy of God and humanity. Okay. Okay. Anything to add, Christopher? No, that's pretty good. Okay. Are there other names? There's a, a well, ton of like names. Like Al Pacino said, oh, I got so many. <laughs> Call me dad. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's Advocate is going to keep coming up. I know. <laughs> Apparently, anybody who's listening, your homework assignment may or may not be to go watch it. I will say there is, um, it is rated R, and there are reasons that it is rated R. And I did not create this movie, so do not hold me personally accountable. Accurate, accurate <laughs> statement. Okay, um, let me think. Is there anything else? But you said, are, are there others? Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are a lot of different, quote-unquote, names for him, like Lucifer, Beelzebub, Baal, um, Baal is just a different pronunci- pronunciation of Baal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can go into other cultures that, that pretty much have the same thing, like Enki or um, some of the some of the other ones. If Odin, you, yeah, the mm. All Father. But here's what mm. I think is interesting: uh, all of these are just basically uh, speaking for English. They're titles. Sure. I Not suspect, necessarily a name, yeah, a title. This is a speculation. I think that with, um, I don't use the, the word Lucifer, um, I think that when he rebelled and decided that he wanted glory, he wanted the worship, he wanted to be equal to God, and God's name is known throughout all ages for all time. If you notice the judgment that scripture records is pronounced on him, it's the exact opposite of what he wanted. You wanted to ascend. I knock you all the way down to the pit, mm-hmm. the pit that has no bottom. Mm. That's how far down away from me you'll be. Wow. If you want to have the glory and be remembered for eternity, I won't even speak your name. Mm. Mm. We don't really know his name. 
We just get titles. That's a good point. The one that's most common for, in, in Western culture is Lucifer, which means the light bearer. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is really, really interesting. Um, kind of taking a little turn for a minute. If you look at our created order, there's a division of science that basically says that we live in a holographic dimension, a holographic existence, not a dimension, but a holographic existence. Mm-hmm. Um, holograms normally require light to be shined on them for the information to be revealed. Okay. But if you shine a false light or the light that was not used to create the hologram, mm-hmm. you get what's called a false image, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is not the actual thing. Yeah. Lucifer's called a light bearer, but nobody ever talks about the type of light a good point. that he brings. Mm-hmm. If he brings a light that is completely out of phase and opposite of what God brings, then whatever he shines light on is a false impression. Mm-hmm. It's an improper one. Mm-hmm. So I think these titles that he has are very interesting. I think they reveal a lot about certain aspects of his, you know, his character uh, and his makeup and what he does. But I think they also reveal um, a very unique aspect to reality and what God has done. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to, to know these things, mm-hmm. but it's also important to recognize these are not actual proper names. They're just titles. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And, and uh, one reason that, that he doesn't like us, um, because one of the things he, he wanted to do was to raise his throne to that of, of Yahweh, you know, the creator God. So he wanted to be equal. And then God decides to make humans. And he says that he made us in his image. Mm. So it's kind of a, a slap in the face of everything that he wanted. Not only did he get, you know, cast out um, and put out of his position, then these other things come along that look like they're um, getting... Lesser versions. Right, getting yeah. the very thing that he wanted. Mm. Doug Hamp, in his book, uh, I think it was in his book, Corrupting the Image, he made what I thought was a pretty interesting speculation, mm-hmm. which is the idea that if you look at how God's kingdom is set up and you look at one of the major ethics of that kingdom, servitude is a major, major component. So if we're talking about uh, the archangel, like the highest ranking angel in heaven uh, being Lucifer, mm-hmm. to get to that point, you'd have to serve. If God's just made this being that you look at as being less than you and asked you to serve it with the type of pride you had, I'm not serving that. Why? Mm-hmm. Thing is less than me. Yeah, serving a human. A human being, exactly. Okay. Yet you see the you see God's divine representative, his ambassador, Jesus Christ, actually come and do that very thing. Mm-hmm. Serve humanity. Right. And be elevated to the highest place in heaven. Which probably was what Lucifer was after in the first place. Right. So it kind of stands to reason maybe he really didn't want to serve, mm-hmm. which might also fuel some of that hatred. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um Angels, tell me about angels, or what? What when? Because growing up, angels were was anything, anything in heaven, uh, and they were either good or bad. So I think to answer these, it, it'll help to tell you what things aren't, sure, as opposed to what they are. Yeah. I think in um, Western society, we have a huge Greco-Roman influence on our perception. Mm-hmm. of uh, spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And so for most people, when you hear the term angel, you either think a little white, uh, chubby little baby with some wings. Maybe a bow. Right. 
uh, well, Cupid. Yep. Um, or you might think some super huge mythical being with wings um, that, you know, guards you, watches over you, or affects affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the Hebrew sense, the term just means a messenger. It's not a ontological term. It's a term of function. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't create a being of, uh, you can't create a series of entities from it and just say these are angels. Yep. But that's normally what we think. So Christopher and I try to clean up. We try to be very careful of the terminology that we use so that we can paint as best as possible um, an accurate perception of something. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps to stave off against confusion. Yep. And deception, if you can nail down terms. It's yep. another one of those devil advocate type things, a lawyer's mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, terms are very, very important. And there's so much, there's so much included with that um, in word usage that you could almost, uh, you can buy the farm with it mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're not careful. Yeah. So we prefer using terms like celestial beings mm-hmm. as opposed to angels. That way you, we're not confusing the issue. Right. So I, I think for us, since you asked for a definition, angel is messenger, not to be confused with celestial being. So a human being can, by definition, be an angel, mm-hmm. as long as they are carrying a message okay. uh, that they, they need to communicate. Um, but I think more accurately what you're looking for is what we would consider angels. Mm-hmm. And those would probably be celestial beings. Mm-hmm. And they come in different ranks and classifications. Um, excuse me, uh, seraphim mm-hmm. as a type. It's more of your serpent, mm-hmm. fiery serpent type of celestial beings. Um, a uh, cherubim mm-hmm. is another super powerful, very high-ranking um, type of celestial being. Scripture records the existence of uh, four creatures, which would count as celestial beings. Mm-hmm. And basically the, the number of celestial beings is innumerable okay. from, from a human standpoint. Sure. But it's a lot of different creatures that are beyond our uh, physical plane of reality for what we can see, which, is, which would make sense for a creator God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very creative and can create a lot. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to an angel, you're just dealing with a messenger. Yep. So an, another term that might help clarify, uh, the Bible uses Benaha Elohim, mm-hmm. uh, which means son or sons of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so angels are the celestial beings uh, to help w- with that definition, are beings that cr- were created by the hand of God themselves. Like a direct creation. Right. So right. Adam could actually be considered a Benaha Elohim because he was created by the hand of God himself. Got it. Um, but, but we couldn't be. We couldn't be. Because we're sons of Adam. Well, that is until Jesus came along and then gives us the power to be Benaha Elohim. Which I like. Because it says that we become new creatures, and the beauty of that is the new creatures that we become are actually crafted by the hand of God himself. Making okay. you a new distinct creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they embodied or disembodied? Both? We're talking about celestial beings? Mm-hmm. Um, celestial beings, uh, you look in scripture, Paul talks about there are two different body types. So you have one of terrestrial origin, origin, which would be more of an earth physical type of body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have celestial bodies. So they do have bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to probably move very quickly to the term demon because that would be right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, 
different scholars have different views. The right. view that I hold to is that demons are the disembodied spirits of what we would call the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. And the Nephilim were the byproducts that uh, came about from the unlawful union of the fallen, quote-unquote, angels mixing with female human beings. Mm -hmm. and, and they did that by leaving their celestial bodies. Got it. So the, the Benaha Elohim appear to have an ability that they can be embodied celestially or they can leave that abode and, and take another form. Gotcha. They seem to be able to, to manifest into physical concretion uh, and take on physical form, which, okay, so this whole thing we're talking about might sound a bit fanciful, but if you go and you look in Scripture when Christ, the, what do they call it, a, a theophany, when Christ first appears to Abraham before his incarnation, mm -hmm. he shows up with two other beings, and they're apparently celestial beings, they're quote-unquote angels. Mm-hmm but they're in physical form. Mm -hmm. They sat with him, they ate, and then they consumed. Uh, they got up, they went about their business. Mm -hmm. They went over <laughs> to, uh, they went over to Sodom. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they tend to have distinct qualities. Yep. I mean, so much so that the men in Sodom could sense them arriving. Yeah. Which is weird, because, <laughs> I mean, them dudes was after, let's just say it was named Sodom for a reason. Yep. And when angels show up, I don't know how you sense angel booty is in the in the mix. <laughs> but somehow they sense that, mm, Tim two over there, bring them forth here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, then even in the in the New Testament it says that you could be entertaining. Right, angels you can entertain underwear. angels' Not, no. underwear. Yep. Yeah. So that whole thing, you got Jacob's ladder. I mean, it, and this is common across multiple different belief systems, the idea that non physical beings have the ability to come down and manifest into our dimensional plane. So yep. it's not a, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a provocative idea or a yeah. strange idea. Yep. But when it comes to demons, they tend to be disembodied. Mm -hmm. They tend to look for a body to inhabit, mm -hmm. which I think is key for why Jesus said when an evil spirit is cast out, it is, subju it, it, it is relegated to the earth realm and it goes back and forth in a wasteland looking for another body to inhabit. Mm. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't find any, it returns to its original host to see if it can re-inhabit that. Mm -hmm. yeah. this, this is why we believe that there is a difference between angels or fallen angels and demons. Because a fallen angel wouldn't need to go looking for a body. He would have had a celestial one on his own. Got it. Okay. But the unholy union of the angels um, producing Nephilim, they were abominations. So when they died, there's not a, a place designated for those spirits. So they wander... Wow. Looking for another body to inhabit. The way you explain it, that makes sense, the way right. you explain it. Okay, so we're getting close to an hour and a half of recording time, so we need to be thinking about ending the first episode. Um, oh, we've only been talking for like five minutes, dude. What are you talking about? Feels like it, doesn't it? I will like look down at the clock and I'm like, what in the world? That's why I need a clock on me because we these long-form podcasts, they go by really quick. So kind of last couple points here that I wanted to talk through is where would you guys point people if they are really just interested in this conversation for them to go start doing research on their own? We've, we've mentioned a few authors, we've mentioned a few things, but like, where would you guys point people, YouTubes or books or all of the above? I almost feel bad for saying this because uh, it seems like the right answer would be, go get the Bible. Mm. Uh, and it's not that I wouldn't point them there, but one of the things I appreciated by going through a commentary 
with a expositor like Chuck Missler is the value of having a very knowledgeable person to guide you. Yep. So I would probably say hit YouTube, look for Chuck Missler, start in Genesis. Mm. Get there, it'll probably, he'll treat you like an intelligent being. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit to handle at first. Mm-hmm. I think you'll, you'll appreciate it. If that's too much, um, there are, um, if books are kind of more your thing, there's a series of, of different authors um, that we could recommend you uh, look at. What would be one for you? Um, geez, it's a good question. There's so many. Um, for some of this stuff, uh, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're just looking for biblical commentary, like Jason was saying, Chuck Missler. Um, if you're looking uh, how to how to perceive things differently or how to apply the Bible in other areas, J.P. Moreland is really yeah, good. he's a really good one. Mm-hmm. I've um, heard the name. And he, his book, uh, Love the Lord or Love Your God with All Your Mind, I would... It's a simple title. I don't know why I can't get it right. <laughs> but yeah, J.P. Moreland, uh, he does that. It's, it's very good. John uh, MacArthur is another good one. Yep, heard of um, his name. Too. I, I would say Michael Heiser, but I think that might be a little too heady for most people just starting. For sure. Uh, We're trying to read one of his books. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember going through it. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I had never, had, I had never thought about concepts the way he presents them. Right, they make a lot of sense. They they do. Now, if you're looking more to kind of take a step back and maybe not just get right into theology head on, um, Lee Strobel Mm. is a really good author um, to get into because he starts from a very different perspective. His was that, I don't believe any of this is true, and I'm about to prove it to you, only to constantly be in interviews with people and getting hit with real solid information that he had to come to terms with. Um, but he breaks it down in, in very palatable forms that I think that average person could appreciate and might even answer some of the questions that, you know, someone's had. Is he the former New York Times writer that wrote Case for Christ? Is yeah, but I think that? it was Chicago Tribune. I don't think it was New York Times. Oh, Chicago Tribune. I yeah. feel like he was a newspaper writer. He was, though. Okay. Yeah, and he and did then, yeah, Case for Christ. He wanted to go out and disprove it. Right. Took him a couple years, but then he ended up writing. He did. He, he Case wrote for Case for Christ, and, which I never read. Me either. Um, but what he, the, I think the second book or the next one he, he wrote was The Case for the Creator. Got it. And I read that one, and that one was where I came into contact with J.P. Moreland. Got it. Uh, and J.P., like, like Christopher said, does such a phenomenal job of kicking you in the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> like, phenomenal. Like, I, <laughs> split your forehead open, you'll be like, I'm sorry, sir, I didn't mean to ask you that. <laughs> That's my brain. You yep. need a good hit in the forehead every once in a while. You really do. Well, right? You do, because he'll ask you a question, you'll be like, uh, I really don't know. And now I feel like an infant. Thank you. Well, no, but see, that's where he doesn't leave you. He doesn't leave mm-hmm. you feeling like an infant. He leaves you like, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things he dealt with was the separation between our physical bodies and our soul. Mm-hmm. So kind of the, the question is, how do you know we have a soul? Mm-hmm. And so he, he gave us this, what I thought was a very brilliant explanation. If you're in an accident and you lose a part of your body, you know that you're, you're less something, Right. Yeah. Like you, you don't have a leg. Yep. Nobody ever refers to themselves as less of a person per se. Mm-hmm. Even though I can lose parts of my body. Yeah. I'm not like 
I'm not, I haven't lost whatever part of my soul was residing in my leg. Yeah. I'm still me. I just don't have a leg. Yeah. That language in and of itself cries of a distinction. I'm me. I don't have, and mm-hmm. I don't have an object, mm-hmm. which is a part of my body. Yeah. So if the body can be separate from the soul, you'd have to allow for separation between physical and non-physical. Yeah. Which yeah. then opens up a huge world. Mm-hmm. This is how he broaches some of these type of topics, and you're like, yo, yeah, that's, that's wild. wild. I never thought about that. Yeah. You know, brilliant. I, he's one of the only people, I think, in his study that he went to twice hmm. to ask questions. Okay. And I'm like, that, that says a lot right there. Yeah. That's really, that's really cool. Um, so uh, I want to talk about the big announcement. You guys have work. Oh, we didn't even get to the website, really. That'll have to be part two. Okay. Um, but uh, you guys obviously founded the truthfullyarmed.com website. Yep, correct. Um, but you guys have a big announcement to let everybody know. What's the big announcement? Uh, we're going to be releasing our own podcast here shortly. Yes. Yes. Very excited. Absolutely. It's uh, going to be titled Operation Red Pill. Okay, that's news to me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I love it. You had a role in it. I did. Oh, the last conversation Absolutely. that we had. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Operation Red Pill. How much time do we have left? I mean, we're at, we're at an hour and a half right now. Okay. I just want to say something while we're on this. Yeah. Um, because this is something I, I, I found really beautiful is how relationships go. Mm-hmm. Part of me meeting Christopher, you play a role in, but you didn't know. Yeah, I had no idea. Right. Just before I, I went to go work at the same company that he was at, I was with an, another company for about a two or, two or three week period, kind of filling in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember calling you mm. and I asked you, I said, Lance, what do you do? Who do you listen to? Where do you go when you are just completely disillusioned with life? Mm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, this is where I go. He gave me this podcast. I had never listened to a podcast. Mm. At all. Mm. And so you, sh- you shot me this link. And it's like, this is a guy I go to. And I was like, you, you have guys for stuff like this? This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I just normally sit and wallow. <laughs> well, so yeah. You sent me a link to uh, Vineyard, to Rich Nathan. Oh, yeah. That was, a, that was my uh, sermon listening podcast phase. Yeah. And so I started listening insatiably. Mm. Yep. A whole bunch of their sermons I started ingesting. Yeah. Which began to set the stage for me to even go and be looking for stuff where Chuck Missler popped up. Mm-hmm. Which then was part of the educational set that I was getting that influenced him. That's wild. Right. That's crazy. So had you not sent me just a simple podcast, he and I might not be sitting here today. Isn't that wild? That's nuts. Yeah, I was... I was before I started listening to that podcast, which is on iTunes, I think I was also watching because I think they're on YouTube. So I think I would like have them on while I was working. It was the job that I had at the time. It was one of those jobs where you can listen to something and digest it while you're doing your work. I can't do that anymore. My job is too intensive. Yeah, right. it's too intensive now. So I have to li- listen to podcasts on other times. But yeah, I, I mean, my story is very similar to your guys. It's just in the sense I grew up in the church where mine probably diverges is that I was very gung-ho about everything that I was taught and the social aspect of it too. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of friends 
later, uh, probably in college, college level, I had, I had some really great friendships. So I was like pretty much locked into everything I was getting taught. And then I w I was homeschooled all throughout, uh, life. So then I went to college. That's actually where Jason and I met. That's a good story. We'll get into that maybe on the next, on the next one, how Jason and I met, um, in college. <laughs> it's a good one. But, um, yeah, so once I got into college, I decided that I wanted to be a pilot for reasons we don't need to, need to get into now. We kind of touched on it on the aviation podcast in season one, but it didn't happen. Uh, at, the end of, at the end of my time flying, I had to say goodbye to flying, uh, and I had a mountain of debt as a result from doing it, which then crippled us because I got married a couple years after that. It ended up cri crippling us for 10-plus years. The debt did. So it was like always just this giant hole of trying to dig out. So um, I went into a long, dark night of the soul for years after that. And Jason and I weren't even like, there was a period of time where we weren't even like really connected. Our lives had kind of diverged. Um, and then we reconnected, uh, you know, years later. But I was, I was a hot mess when, when he and I reconnected. I didn't, I didn't know up from down. I didn't know right from not right. And I was in a very, I wasn't even searching. I just kind of like given up on, on life. And my life essentially was to uh, have a job, pay bills, raise raise very young kids um and that that was his that was the young man's dream yeah the young man's dream right yeah um that's a hamster wheel to be on too oh yeah it was it was awful and I, I i there was anxiety there was depression but then slowly but surely um i wasn't i mean during that time i wasn't talking to god i didn't i didn't pray i didn't read my bible i couldn't i actually couldn't read my bible there was it was many 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 dark years but i do remember Things slowly turning around as they do, and po I started that podcast. I found there was a couple other podcasts I found, but that kind of basically started me on the journey that we've kind of been alluding to, but we still have yet to kind of really get into, which is the idea that like you get completely blindsided when you realize that what you think you believe has loads of holes in it, and the thing that you thought was the things, multiple things that you thought were so true just don't seem, it's not even that they don't seem to be true. It is flagrantly obvious that they're not true or that you have a bad handle on. Oh, I'd love to talk about that again. If you have me back on the show. Oh yeah. Or us. Back yes. On. <laughs> yes. Um, but I want to encourage your listeners. Yeah. Um, guys, don't be afraid to just take a small risk and give, put yourself out there. Mm. Lance just sent me just a podcast link. Yeah. Yeah, there's a risk. I could have been like, you're a square. Why the heck are you sending me a Christian podcast, dude? That's, that's stupid. I'm not going to listen to that. Yeah. But then there's also the, the, the other opportunity, which is that, or possibility, that it can change a person's life. Mm. You know, God tends to work in big, really huge, big ways. But he also tends to work in really small, subtle ways. Just the things that you don't expect. Lance and I reconnected this time that he was talking about in his life that was really dark. We reconnected over Xbox. That's right. Uh, I saw you post something on Instagram. And right. I was like, Jason's got Jason's got an Xbox. And I, I was like, Lance is alive. <laughs> Lance still lives. Barely. Yes. <laughs> I'm hooking Xbox up tonight, son. And we have had some of the most in-depth 
theological, emotional, bro conversations over Titanfall. Yep. Like, allow God into your life and just be willing to open up and do the little things. They can have gargantuan impacts on someone's life. Yep. Don't be swayed so much by um, the, the traditional culturisms of Western church that says, well, that's not what a Christian does, or that's not religious. That's not the right thing. I'm not talking about don't do things that are immoral, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that some of the traditional views of just life, don't be afraid to open up and let God do. It's not yep. wrong with playing video games. Yep. You can play video games and have a conversation with your long lost friend mm-hmm. and they impact your life and change it. And you maybe make a small impression on theirs and change it. Yep. Just be willing to put yourself out there. You feel yep. God tell you to have a conversation with someone, just have the conversation. Yeah. If you feel it's like something as simple as God told me to tell you who loves you. Okay. Bye. Yeah. You really don't know <laughs> where that person is at exactly. and what that means to them. Yep. Just take the risk. That's good. Let the rest be rest. That's good. Any final thoughts? But don't start a small group with your best friend who like raises his hand in church. Do not do that. No, even that though was pretty cool because we were out in the parking lot talking for hours after at this that point. Event? No, not after that. Just in, during that season, sure. We were talking, and people at our job would constantly keep coming out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, you guys have been off work for like three, four hours. Why are you still here? Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have to clock in in like two hours to start your next shift? Yes. But we yeah. are talking about great stuff. Yeah. One day, one of the guys who at this time, we didn't like too much. He was a manager. Uh-huh. He comes out and he's like, you guys are still talking. What do you talk about? Yeah. And so he sat there and he just listened to us. We kind of changed the conversation a little bit to include him. And the guy goes, you know what? I really wish, because I'm not from here. I really, this is what he was saying. I'm not from here, and I wish I could just find a couple of guys to get together mm-hmm. and come over to the house, sit around a fire, crack open a beer or two, and just talk. And, of course, this dude's like, <laughs> absolutely. And I'm like, no, this man is my boss. I'm, I'm not trying to go over his house. Yeah. That was firing territory. <laughs> you know oh, who this is, cool. right? I assume I know who this is. I don't know if I can say it on your podcast. Yes, you can. Shout uh, him out. Okay, yeah, this is Dominic. Yeah. It's D Dizzle. <laughs> Dumb. Shout out to Dumb. D Dizzle he comes up to, to this us. podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. So me being his number one most favorite employee who, <laughs> who, who did the most outstanding job possible, you know, I'm sitting out there talking with Christopher. Dom comes up and he's like, after he said what he said to us, basically opened up and he was like, I, I don't like really where I'm at. Yeah. You know, I don't like where things are going spiritually. I don't really have a lot of motivation, blah, blah, blah. And so Christopher and I are like, Cool. Since you're always kicking our behind when it comes to work stuff, yeah, we got some homework for you. Yeah, but we did it in a very loving way. I think we we sure. used to yeah, we used the sure. Bible app. Yeah, and we let Dom kind of like pick a pick a uh, plan. Yeah, and then we would just stop in and check check in with him. You read you read your plan today. That's awesome. And he'd be like, no. <laughs> so of course we got to chew him out like he chews us out. Yep. <laughs> and then the next day, you reading your plan. Yeah, and they were like small steps. Yeah. So his his life, according to him, it's not my assessment. According to him, his life, you know, changed a lot. Yeah. Dom is now <laughs> reading all sorts of things, posting them in our group. Yep. You know, his his mind is like, <laughs> yeah, completely exploded from where it was before. And it's like all it took 
was someone who could override my propensity to not want to do some of the very things I'm telling you all to do. <laughs> yeah. Which is why God pairs you up with people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it just took a conversation around the campfire. Mm. And that one took just me and Christopher being willing to have a conversation outside of work. Right. Not worried so much about what people might say. Just talk. Yeah. It's amazing how those things organically grow. Yep. You know, now we've got an entire uh, ghost squad. Yep. You know, group text that we're on every day, which is like a support center. Yep. All of this growing out of two small seeds that we're planting. Yeah, that's wild. Right. That it all came that full circle. Like, guys, that does a huge work. Yeah. All we got to do, be willing to do is just do our part. Yeah. That's wild. Final thoughts, Chris? My final thoughts would be um, that even though there is this, this room for Christians to be intellectual um, and an area for us to grow and think and, and be... You, what it sounds like we are, you know, on this podcast and all these big words, you know, prelapsarian and the laws exegetical of dynamics, merits, exegetical right. merits of scripture. Exactly. <laughs> um, behind all of this, there's definitely a real tangible personal relationship with mm. Jesus that you can have. Mm-hmm. So it's it and its smallest form is just that, and it grows and permeates all of these other things that we're talking about. Mm. But it's not just cold, hard facts, just right. logic. Right. You need to be smarter than you are. Um, in the midst of all of that is a real, real relationship with a real person that yeah. cares about you. Yeah. So the same one that designed the, the golden ratio and, and put the stars where they are actually cares about you and is interested in your day and, and how to help you overcome yeah. what it is that you're going through. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. That's really good stuff. All right. So we are at time. I just really appreciate you guys coming on uh, to Lancelot's Roundtable and talking. We're really excited to get this this podcast of yours launched. Absolutely. Yep. Operation Red Pill. Operation Red Pill. So guys, be looking for that. You're going to see it all over our social media, Lancelot's Roundtable on Instagram. Um, we're going to be uh, posting about that again. Again, this is the beginning of season two, so we've got a great lineup coming forward. We're going to have these guys back again, talk about some more stuff, go a little bit more deep into their uh, website, um, and then talking some more about their podcast and anything else that may or may not come up. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time on Lancelot's Roundtable. <laughs>